Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday to you and yours. We're almost through the work week or we can see the end of the work week on the other side. We can almost see Christmas from here. I'm very excited about today's show. That's why I have a big smile on my face. TJ Moe is still here in studio with me. Alex Stein, Primetime Stein is going to be here. Shamika Michelle, Royce White, Delano Squires. We have a Fantastic, awesome, amazing show. It, it's, I don't know how you're gonna feel about the show, but it's a topic uh, that I've been wanting to address and we found a way to address it today. It, it, it all kind of came together. Uh, Delano wrote a column about marriage and uh, YouTubers and the Manosphere and black churches and the preachers and how come YouTubers are talking about marriage and relationships and preachers aren't. Preachers are always talking about abortion and things like that. And then I saw a picture of uh, the New York Knicks, their Christmas party last night. And I was like, oh man, we can talk about relationships between black men and black women and what's going on and how it connects to the Kevin Samuels, the prolific YouTuber and, and Derek Jackson, the now prolific YouTuber that's kind of got a whole different uh, point of view than Kevin Samuels. He's kind of a simp uh, for women. Anyway, we're going to tie it all together and we're going to start the discussion by uh, talking with Alex Stein. Uh, let's bring on Primetime Stein and, and he's kind of our jumping off point because he went to uh, Barstool headquarters. And again, mm -hmm. I'm gonna tie all this together. <clears throat> just be patient with me, but we're just gonna start with Alex Stein. I'm gonna tie, he's kind of our jumping off point. Let's play a clip of Alex who's been at war over social media with Dave Portnoy. And he went to Barstool headquarters, I think in New York, is that? Aren't yeah. they in New York, that, Alex? Yeah. On 7th and so, Avenue, that is and, correct. And, yeah, and you took your wife's boyfriend with you, I believe, Don Terrius? Don Terrius, uh, yeah, he was my muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's play the clip. We're here looking for Dave. I brought my wife's boyfriend. Hey, I'm looking for Dave Portnoy. Come on, Don Terrius. Don Terrius. Prime time. Come on, Don Terrius. I brought my wife's boyfriend in here. Come on, guys. Where's Dave? Come on, hold on, hold on. Where's Dave? 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 Where's
Alex, where did you find Don Terry's? Well, he's actually a really good actor. His name's uh, Esteban Romero. They call him uh, Tino. And he's uh, big on YouTube, I, or excuse me, on TikTok. He's has like, uh, his page isn't that big because it keeps on getting deleted. But you've seen videos with him in it. And see, that was the whole point of the joke. You know, is I brought Don Terrius. It's obviously a joke. So anybody thought, like, I'm there to trespass and do anything dangerous. I'm there to troll them. And what I was doing is I was out barstooling barstool because there was a time and place, Jason, not that long ago where Barstool was cool, where Dave Portnoy was the cool kid on campus. And now, sadly, because they've sold out to the gambling companies, they become corporate America. And just like everybody else, whether you're a politician or a superstar celebrity, once the money comes, it changes your whole persona and your outlook. So, you know, money talks, bullcrap walks. All right. So it got a little bit more heated at the end. I want to play this uh, second clip here. A couple of very nice young ladies uh, attacked you, Dave, and and Jason. This is a company with ninety five percent male employees, and it takes two women to do their manhandling, their their dirty work. It's it's pretty absurd. Yeah, two incredibly fascinating women uh, attacked Dave and escorted. Uh, let's let's play this clip. Dave, you're a coward. I'm here. I'm in your freaking. Don't talk about boy well, yeah. like that. Don't talk about yeah, boy like that. We're gonna leave, but where's Dave? Where's Dave? Where's Dave at? Yeah, because he's a coward. Okay. Well, he invited me on his podcast. You know that. You know what? Okay. Well, Dave knows. He invited me on his podcast, and he's a coward. And then he uninvites me. I'm just saying. And then Francis Ellis making fun of Tucker Carlson. Nobody makes fun of my biological father, Tucker Carlson. So tell Francis. You know, it's just funny because this is, I got two angles of this all. All right. I know. I know. You're so, you're so cool. You're just hitting my camera. That's so All right. Cool. All right. What you saying, uh, though? I'm just saying, what you saying, though? What you saying, though? I'm right here. What you saying, though? Okay. I'm just saying, though. What you saying, though? Oh, I'm so scared. What you saying, though? What you saying, though? I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm doing a lot. I'm doing a Yeah, you guys look like real classy people. Marshall Sports, good one. <laughs> so, Alex, I'm hoping and praying. You got one of these young ladies' phone numbers. I mean, they I are the Chico. kind of no, women. No, Jason, I had to cut you off. Tico and I, next time I'm in town, I'm doing my intel. See, now I got Tico. I paid for her manicure. I sent her 100 bucks to fix her nails. She doesn't tweet that out. But then on the down low, her and I are going to have dinner. Because, listen, this isn't my last attack on Barstool Sports. And like a good assassin, like a good CIA agent, I got to embed myself within their company at their weakest point so I can get to their most emotional person, Tico, who I like, who actually – like, there was a lot of energy. I'm saying, you know, you can just tell she, him and I are very similar. I mean, excuse me, her and I are very similar. We're very emotional people, so I'm going to take her out to dinner. I'm going to wine her and dine her. And next thing you know, I'm going to be freaking, you know, in Dave's office for my next video. So just, just wait and just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Th I can remember 
the, refresh the audience on what's at the root of your animus or problem with Dave Portnoy. Well, it started off with the most with the dumbest thing ever. They they shared one of my videos when the Bengals had gone to the Super Bowl, and in the video I talked about how it was a city council meeting, how I was suicidal, and that my wife had left me. But because the Bengals were the underdogs and they were going to the Super Bowl, I was so happy. And I actually even mentioned my buddy Mincy that worked there. I was like, oh, because of his tips, I've won a bunch of money. They shared it on their platform for like an hour, and then they took it down. And I I messaged my buddy Mincy. I go, why'd you take it down? And they said, oh, you talked about suicide. And with that answer, I go, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Then fast forward three months later, I, the Chad, Chad Ochocinco Johnson shares my video of me in Las Vegas. It gets millions of hits. They reshare it and then immediately take it down. And I call him out. I said, this is the second time you've done this. This is for political reasons. And then he got mad because I said, look at the allegations that you have. And then yada, yada, yada. He invites me on his podcast. Then he unadvised you on his podcast. Then he goes after you. Then he goes after me again. So now we're in just some sort of like radio war of the Howard Stern days where it's really there is no, you know, it's, it's metastasized to this. The cancer has gotten this big. We don't even remember what started it. What, you know, uh, was the, the, the essence of the beef. But now it's, it's you know, bonded to something. Well, totally. well, Barstool does this thing called rough and rowdy where they have these fights. Could we ever see you and Portnoy in the ring Although, I mean, you're like six foot five uh, yes. and Portnoy is like five foot six. Uh, yes, so maybe you guys aren't in the same class. We are not. We are not in the same class. But Francis Ellis, one other thing that motivated me to go into Barstool is that Francis Ellis, one of the Barstool employees, content creators, was caught on a hot mic making fun of Tucker Carlson after he had just appeared on Jesse Waters' show talking about how he had an opportunity to work at Fox, but his wife didn't want him to because the Tucker Carlson trades in hate. So Francis Ellis, who is a Barstool sports broadcaster, he is more my size. I'd probably have to lose a little bit of weight to get in his weight class, which I would do. I would gladly do. But I'll box anybody at Barstool sports. We need to clip this right now. Dave, Francis, if you're going to make fun of my biological father, Tucker Carlson, who also Jason Whitlock is a regular contributor on that same program, the number one cable program on all of cable TV, I might, I might say. But you're not going to make fun of Tucker Carlson. You're not going to make fun of Jason Whitlock. And you're certainly not going to make fun of Don Terry as my wife's boyfriend. So let me just tell you something, Dave. Anybody that wants to box toe-to-toe in the middle of the ring, primetime 99, is, it's the Yes Express. Bring them on. I will fight them like Donkey Kong. So I want that to be known. Oh, and one last thing before I go, because I know you have a busy, action-packed show. The reason why I was in New York City, I was there with Ann Coulter for her birthday celebrating. And let me say, let me say something. Jason, I'm not like you. I'm not in the sports world. I don't get to do experiences like this very often. But I was invited to go to Mr. John Ledecky, the owner of the New York Islanders, and be a guest of his box for Ann's birthday. Jason, I'd never pretzel, sir. Mr. Stein, I can, here's a hat. Every single – they, they brought me the whole entire fan shop an experience that I've never experienced. John Ledecky, we talked about the trans stuff. I talked to him about – showed him my videos. He's based. He's a cool, conservative – owner in the world. So John Ledecky in New York Islanders, he's a really good guy. So I want to thank him. And uh, we're just we're just getting started with Barstool, Jason. Alex, thank you. Great content as always. You're a force of nature. I was telling Gaston that last night. Uh, <laughs> protect yourself. Be safe out there. One of those six inch fingernails could have landed in your heart and killed you. Uh, be yeah. careful. I know you guys scratched across the face. You could be making bleeding. assault charges, but in, yeah, instead, 
you're trying to win with love, you're going to wine and dine her. Uh, you know, good luck with that. Good I need it. That. I need, if, you know, I need they, all the if, luck I can get. They want a double date. I'll, I'm more than happy to send T.J. Moe to take the other one out to dinner. Uh, okay, T.J., that's, that's it, T.J., you're in. In my treat, I'll buy dinner because, you know, I do have a new show coming out on the place, so now I can afford to buy dinner for guests. I used to not be able to. It used to be the dollar menu. Now we're at the Chili's. A fork and dine for forty nine ninety nine. I think that's that's the that's the deal we'll go get. To TJ, primetime style. Love you guys. Ninety nine. Thank you for the time. We'll catch you <laughs> next time. Yeah. All right. Let me tell you about uh, my good friends at Good Ranchers. Christmas is around the corner, and you have gifts to buy. Practical gifts are much more popular than tech gifts this year. But do you know what's better than a practical gift? An essential gift. You know what's better than an essential gift? An awesome essential gift that you can learn about through this awesome show and through this awesome ad. Fight meat inflation for the upcoming year and gift someone with the most awesome gift, a subscription to Good Ranchers. Did I mention how awesome Good Ranchers is? Good Ranchers is the sure way to give 100% American, USDA, prime and upper choice, cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood. You can give the gift of a subscription and lock in someone's price for them this year. I don't know about you, but an inflation-proof meat budget is essential and much better than any practical gift you can find. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com and use my promo code FEARLESS at checkout for $35 off your awesome gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box and the curated selection of America's best meat and seafood. Give the most awesome meat in America. Support local U.S. farms. Support yourself. Support this show. Support a company that supports you. And get $35 off with my code FEARLESS today. If you're tired of me telling you how awesome Good Ranch is in, you may as well check it out for yourself. Avoid inflation. Have an unforgettable Christmas with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. I do get uh, your emails at fearlessblazeshow at gmail, and many of you are now starting to make it a point to reference me. Jason, I got uh, my box of Good Ranchers, and I love it. I love it when you do that. When you reference Good Ranchers, it makes me want to email you back, and I will. Thank you so much. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to take the Alex Stein conversation and those two women that... uh, (laughs) attacked Alex Stein and we're going to talk with Shamika Michelle about is there a problem with with is there a problem with black women they seem angry Uh, they seem more interested in being kings than queens Uh, we're going to show you a picture of the New York Knicks uh, Christmas party that plays into this but we're going to dive into a discussion with Shamika Michelle Royce White and Delano Squires about uh, the relationship issues, waiting to exit hell instead of waiting to exhale. <laughs> We're waiting to exit hell right now. There's, there's a problem going on with, between the black man and black woman. We'll talk about it with Shamika Michelle. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. I told you what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I saw this picture this morning of the Knicks uh, Christmas party gathering. The Knicks put this out on their Twitter feed, and it's a beautiful picture. There's nothing wrong with the picture. Uh, there are three, uh, I believe, black basketball players, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Obi Toppin, Topin. And then there's some foreign guys, I can't pronounce their names. One of them is Isaiah Hartenstein. I can't pronounce his name. I think that's the second guy uh, listed. Uh, but anyway, Snowstorm hit the Knicks Christmas party last night. There's uh, one black lady in that picture, and she's with a white foreign uh, player. Obviously, you know, we could sit here and roll out pictures that you can find on Google Images of me. Anybody that knows me knows I got no problem with this. But, but, it is interesting and raises a question about what's going on with black men and black women. And I say that based off all the conversations we've been having on this show over the last couple of weeks, this whole Israelite issue is more I delve deeper into it. It's about a group of men wanting a religion that caters to men and caters to the patriarchy and rejects the matriarchy. And if you've listened to me talk on this show and listen to the discussion we have on this show, as black people, we have a very matriarchal culture. If you listen to me talk about the movies that keep Hollywood keeps dumping out, Wakanda Forever, the Woman King, all these movies, the, the TV show, The Equalizer, all these women, all these movies and uh, content that's coming out with a clear message of the woman is the leader, the woman is um, a warrior, strong black women can save the world, Stacey Abrams, you go girl, and we, we saved America, and you know we gotta put black women in positions of leadership and power to save America. The black woman's gonna save America. A lot of men don't have the balls to say it out loud, but they're not on board with that. And so their actions let you know what they're on board with. And throw that next picture back up there again, those actions are speaking really, really loudly. And when you start seeing people in, I watched a video of a straightway ministries. Those guys are Israelites. I watched a video of a wedding service that they put on where the man is the star of the wedding ceremony. The man enters the chapel last and is celebrated. There's an issue between the black man and the black woman, the patriarchy and the matriarchy. White guys are aware that men are being emasculated. Black guys are aware that men are being emasculated. Black men with their actions are, are starting to, in my view, 
reject black women because black women are uninterested in a role where they follow a man. I'm not saying that explains all of this, but it's out there and it needs to be discussed and we're gonna do it uh, with Shamika Michelle. And one last part before we bring Shamika in, I wanna play you because when I saw the uh, Barstool clip and I saw these two black women, Barstool is a sports humor site for white men. I'm not saying other people don't enjoy Barstool, but Barstool's employee base and fan base is white men. And I'm like, two black women are, are willing to risk harm to protect Dave Portnoy, who's not even around? Two black women are out there, Viola Davis being the woman king, and they're gonna beat up a six foot five white man to save the reputation of Dave Portnoy. I'm like, this is crazy. And then they went on social media and bragged about it. Can we play the clip of the uh, two women uh, br from Barstool bragging about how they took on a six foot five white man to save Dave Portnoy's honor? If you run down on Barstool HQ, you gotta deal with us. <laughs> right. And you don't wanna deal with us. We the original what? The real mean girls. The real mean The girls. original and the real mean girls. I'm just saying. Jordan, Alex, where were you? We needed you. I haven't seen you. Didn't see you. Shamika, what, what, what's going on here? What, 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 what Am I right? Or, or, or is what's in the water, what's in the training, what's in the culture where black women want to be kings, not queens? There's so much to talk about, Jason, when it comes to this, because it does seem when you look over the Internet and when even in real life, you start to ask yourself, like, do black women need handlers like we're in a zoo? Or is it just that we don't have enough positivity pushed out there? Because, listen, I'm not saying that the men are right for walking away from black women, but I definitely understand. I see it so much and I get so frustrated with the way that we carry ourselves that you want to be seen as this tough king, as you've said, you don't mind being seen as a slut or a whore. We're the only people that are that will put us ourselves out there like I got this wop or I got that or my mouth can do this. You know, I'm a throat goat. We are the only group of women that are fine portraying ourselves as sluts and whores and savages and think that it's OK. You know, um, it, it's so much that goes into this. Like, I understand why men are tired of it because we do seem to be the only ones that think that that's the way to go and we are not training our women any differently we're not teaching young girls that what you're seeing is not acceptable behavior because we have so many older women who have a hard time with the fact that they are getting older that they do the exact same things setting terrible examples you know i'm seeing videos of so-called aunties 
twerking and being half naked in, in, in videos. And this is the example that you're setting for young girls. So of course, they're gonna grow up to wanna be exactly what has been put in front of them. I say it all the time that one of the best uh, things my ex-husband ever said to me was, you're gonna be the first example for these girls. I took that to heart and I realized that that made me have a certain responsibility that of course I'm not gonna be perfect, I'm gonna make mistakes, I'm gonna do things that I wish I hadn't done, but it was just very important to me when they look at me to not see some of this foolishness that we see being pushed out in society and deemed appropriate or okay. We're doing a, we're not training these children up in the way that they should go for sure. I'm not. I I, I don't. I, I just the stuff that I see on social media, and maybe it's the way I got my feed rigged or whatever. But now I can't even say that because it's not the stuff people are sending me. It's just like when you go just wandering around social media and Twitter. The videos that you just run into, and I'm just like, it just blows my mind. And I saw a video uh, this morning of a comedian that, and maybe, did I see it on Delano's Twitter feed? I can't remember, but I saw a video of a comedian trying to perform his act, and a black woman went Karen on him. And, and the comedian, I think, is half black and half white or half black and half Asian. And as it turns out, as I look, the, the woman was half black, half white. But I, I want to play this video of, of this comedian trying to do his job and, and the kind of harassment he faced from this woman. Let's play the video. Where credit is due, I'm probably the most pro anti-Trump no. comic out there. That no, mother, you're not shut the no. f up. No, up as a white guy trying to talk to black people. I'm no, not. Bitch, no, you're not. What are you upset about? It's not me. No, and shut up. Any black person ever tried to laugh at his jokes? No. No, a white person trying to make fun of black people. See, now you're crying, and I was just trying to make you laugh. No, don't do that. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you a bitch. No. <laughs> Why do you think I'm doing this for a living? You think I was a football player? I'm a bitch. Go nothing you can say to me I haven't said six inches from the mirror you're the first name going in my suicide note tonight have a good night Kamala Harris now's the time I need you on my side no no that was the most racist joke ever no I, I, I got like four more in the chamber <laughs> What is that? I mean, this is, what, what can you say? What can you joke about? He's at a comedy club cracking jokes, and then, no, that's the most racist joke ever. Stop. What, what, you can't even have a good time. What, what is right. So for one, we've been made to feel like we can do no wrong. Black women hate correction, and I say it all the time. We hate correction, we hate accountability, but I have to say that it's been a lot of beta males that have made that possible. You talked about the Israelite wedding uh, before I came on, and you said how the man was the last one to come down. I think 
you know, with our culture before and with Christianity, the church is the bride of Christ. And so Jesus loved the church so much that he died for us. Right. But in return, the church hasn't been like, oh, F Jesus, Jesus saying nothing. You know, Jesus should worship us. But when it comes to black women, because, you know, we feel like we have to be worshipped and we're not acting as the, the bride, you know, should be. We should actually be wanting to celebrate these men that put us on a pedestal or that treat us right or that love us the way we're supposed to be loved or adore us. Instead, we're kind of giving men our ass to kiss. So I don't know how we actually make that okay, but if a man to a woman is supposed to look like the church to Jesus, we're doing a terrible job because Jesus, of course, you know, loved the church, us as the body of Christ, but we're not doing that when it comes to black women and black men. We have decided, no, you're supposed to worship me and give yourself to me. And then I'm supposed to use you as a doormat and walk all over you. That's my thanks. That's the thanks that we we feel like we owe men. No thanks. And here's my behind. Worship me. I'm looking at a um, study from the Pew Research Center, 2014, 2015. Black men are twice as likely, compared to black women, to marry outside of their race. And so black women are trying to marry black men, but black men, 24% of newlyweds, are marrying someone outside of their race. Which lends to some of what you're discussing here. Black men don't seem to want to deal with it. This has been going on since the 80s. It's grown substantially. It's actually, it was 8% of black men in the 80s, only 3% of black women marrying outside of their own race. Now it's 24% compared to 12. It's just, it's the, it's the attitude. It, it, it's, you know, we sit up and, and, and think that people are, are sitting around saying, oh, he thinks the white woman's more beautiful than, that's not it. Then they'll say, uh, well, the white woman will just let you run all over him. He don't want to deal with a strong woman. That's not it. And, and, and what you define as being run over is just like, might be she'll allow him to lead and she's willing to follow because that's what the Bible says. You want to lead. He doesn't want to follow you because he doesn't it's not his in his nature and it's not appropriate. It's not effective. And so men are attracted to women that are willing to follow and willing to celebrate them. I'm not saying these men will be perfect. I'm not saying that they won't cheat. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that, but they want a woman that will follow. And as we just move further and further and further, they're not going to care about race betrayal. They're mm -hmm. just not. They're not going to, because for a long time, that's what would stop someone. I'm a, I can raise my hand and say, just in all honesty, I would be married if I hadn't previously been overly concerned about marrying someone outside of my race. That's just me being a thousand percent transparent and honest. Uh, but 
I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, and I've always, I said it, I used to be ashamed of saying it, but you know, relationships are about compromise. And I would say, I'm not meeting anybody halfway to stupidity. It's not Mm -hmm. going to happen. And I used to feel bad about saying it, but that is how I felt. And it's how I feel. I'm not meeting anybody halfway to stupidity. I'm going to lead. You're either going to trust my leadership and, and, you know, go down with the ship or rise with the ship. But me just placating you uh, to make you feel good, not going to happen. Shamika, jump back in here. I don't even know if I got a question, but I do. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, too, a lot of uh, women, and you've seen black women just become hypersexualized. Like, of course, it's okay to be in touch with your sexuality, but to be hypersexualized and to think that that's all that matters to men, that's not all that matters. I've had a lot of men that just want some peace. And I always say, she that brings the most peace gets the most time. You know, sex is important, but if you got to deal with sex and somebody, you know, constantly belittling you or talking back or running their mouth, you can go get sex somewhere else where there's peace. You can go get sex somewhere else where there's a cheerleader telling you that you can do it. When there's not somebody telling you that you ain't shit, you can go and get sex from that person. So when you think that that sex is going to keep a man from actually you know, doing what his nature says, you're just stupid because no man in his right mind, when he really wants to get in touch with who he is and his masculinity and fulfill his purpose in this earth realm, the purpose that God designed him for is going to willingly submit to being mistreated consistently at home. No man in his right mind would do that. So women, I think, need to start actually listening and stop thinking that you're going to keep fighting against these men and and get these men to change their mind and belittling them, telling them, oh, you know, you're gay if you don't want me or you don't like your own people if you don't want me or your mama is black. He know his mama is black. And sometimes his mama is some of the reason why he don't want to continue to deal with your foolishness. He had to deal with his mama. He don't have to deal with you. And that's what women need to to realize. So you're going to keep fighting a a losing battle if you think that you're going to convince a man to go against who God designed him to be, especially one that's trying to follow after God. It's going to be a losing battle. You, you just led me into something that's going on across the culture that people haven't tied together. And I think I talked about it at the top of the show, this whole Israelite thing and why it's spreading and becoming more popular, why Kyrie's attracted to it. There's some of the professional athletes that I had on this show, former NFL players, why they're attracted to it, why my adopted son out in California attracted to it. it it's, it's, hyper-masculine, it's focused on man, and it, it, it's a religion set up for a man to be a man. And, and now, I'm not endorsing the polygyny or polygamy. I'm not endorsing that. But I get the mindset of they're trying to establish what you got going on between your legs isn't so special that I'm going to compromise on who I am and my role as the leader of this house. And so 
they are embraced, like, nah, you, you ain't special. You know what? I got another one. And God says it's okay for me to have another one. And, and so there's, that's the mentality. And so if women don't course correct, if we as black don't course correct, and again, this will eventually creep into white culture and white people in their relationships. There it is. It, 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 it's, it's, if, if we don't course correct and people don't start getting back in their natural roles, you're gonna see more and more people attracted to the Israelite thing. And, and I saw it in a clip from Dr. Umar Johnson on Charlemagne's new show. And I'm like, U Umar calls himself a Pan-Africanist. But he's now, and he didn't say it, but he's now like, he's adopting these Israelite principles. Let's play the clip of Umar talking about why he don't believe in monogamy and he gonna have two queens. Dr. Umar, it's rumored that you have more than one wife. I don't know if that's true or not. I've never or? been married. Oh, okay. So that wasn't... <laughs> but I will have two queens. All right. <laughs> yes, sir. Damn. So is polygamy more realistic? I think we have to understand that monogamy is not natural to alpha males. This is not only I'm true... I'm baiting it. That's what you lost me there, man. This is not only... This is not only true amongst human beings, even within the animal kingdom, okay. the alphas tend to have more than one spouse. And if you also look at women, as much as they may chide polygyny, many women will date an alpha male with another woman if she's attracted to him. Just look at the amount of women who date married men, but at the same time say they're against plural marriage. Mm. Whenever, whenever a dude quotes the animal kingdom when he's talking about sex, that dude's <laughs> So, again, I'm not endorsing what Umar is saying. I'm saying that the culture, this matriarchal culture, worship of women, it's going to create more Umars. If people don't return to a biblical worldview and God's natural order, we're going to see more and more and more of the Israelite mentality expressing itself. Charlemagne didn't know how to get it out of Umar and Umar was playing slick, but that's all, when he starts talking about polygyny and all that stuff, he's basically said, yeah, I'm on this Israelite stuff. You know, and I think the church has not done uh, the best job in actually talking about these issues. You know, it's very easy to just throw a scripture at it, but a lot of times you have to actually have some really honest and hard, deep conversations because you are in, you're not in competition with the world, but the world is showing something different and you need to be able to raise up Christian couples that people actually can see and desire to, you know, pattern their life after. So I do think that you have a lot of broken marriages in the church, but they have to hide behind, you know, religion. I know for myself, when I was in the church and as a minister, there was this pressure to always be ready to teach, be ready to preach, dance, sing. And my life was cracking like glass. Like there was no space to have a real conversation that this is what I'm dealing with. And then start out we're young. We get into a ministry that says oral sex is sin. Like what? Oh my God. 
we got to have some real conversations, especially when you have people who are not virgins going into uh, relationships. You know, no man that has had uh, oral sex performed on him now wants to know, say, okay, this is a sin. And no woman who likes to do it wants to hear that she can't do it anymore. But we don't have real conversations in the church. And you have so many people that just are like, if that's what marriage is, I don't want it because we're just we just aren't setting great examples and we're not having real honest conversations. And so you give space for people like the Israelites or people that want to push something else who are willing to have these open and honest conversations to be able to, you know, push what they believe. Christians have to stop being so stiff and stuffy and say, look, I don't know if we are naturally monogamous, but when you decide to live your life this way, you make a choice. And these are what's, you know, what's going to have to take place for you to actually follow Christ. You know, may not always be easy, may not always feel like the, you know, the easiest things to do, but these are some practical things that can help you. And I'm your sister. I'm your brother. I can hold your hand. You can be honest with me and say, hey, I got these feelings that what's going on at home ain't enough. The bedroom is cold. But when you feel like you can't have these real conversation, it just gives space to, to the devil to do whatever he wants to do. So we do have to do a better job in, in pushing a better message or what we feel is the right message. Samika, thank you uh, for starting this fire and conversation. We'll probably circle back to it in the next week or in the new year. <clears throat> but thank you uh, for help starting the conversation. We're going to move on to Royce White and then Delano Squires and continue this conversation. Uh, you can get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Royce White Morpheus will be here next and we'll get his take on the uh, snow shower that uh, the snowstorm that hit the New York Knicks uh, Christmas party last night. Next. Welcome back. Let's roll out to Minneapolis, uh, bring in Royce White, former NBA player, player in the big three, MMA fighter. Royce is a black athlete. And so he's the perfect person to ask uh, about the, could we put that picture back up of the snowstorm that hit the New York Knicks uh, <laughs> Christmas party? It's a hell of a snowstorm. We, we had a little debate off air uh, how good of a snowstorm it was. I think it was a very good snowstorm. I think Royce thinks it was an average snowstorm. Uh, so let, let's, let, let's start with that dispute. Royce, that, that looks like a, a, a mighty fine snowstorm that would uh, you know, call school to be called off for a couple of days and you could stay at home and enjoy your video games and your family. Look like a good snowstorm to me, Royce. I don't know if it's a, a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know if these guys are are uh, are deeply moral or they're shallow, right? I mean, it's it's the New York Knicks for God's sakes, right? You, you, it's the it's the fashion capital. Um, you you would think that uh, they would the New York Knicks players would have the the top of the the heap, but hey, maybe they maybe they really love these girls for their personalities. 
<laughs> well, I guess when you're six foot nine, you got a different standard than the uh, six foot three hundred pound fifty five year old man. Maybe that, maybe that's why Royce and I see the uh, slow snore a little different. I'm not I'm not six foot nine or three hundred pounds, and I tend to agree with agree with Royce. Well, and it's you should. You're married. Uh, <laughs> it's the New York Knicks. I mean, come on, you know, it's the New York Knicks. <laughs> It ain't the Pacers, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that was Indianapolis. So <laughs> that'd be like, oh, that's a good most yeah. <laughs> I hear you. You're right. Now there is some truth to that. I was like, if and you know what? I would have caught that exact same take. I was like, the Miami Heat? Are you kidding me? South Beach? And I, yeah, yeah I, I get your point. But uh, <laughs> so, Royce, let's start with a more serious question. Mm-hmm. Do professional athletes and super successful men? Uh, do they prefer white women? Well, I think we got to start. We got to start with the facts, right? Um, this, the the institution of marriage has all but crumbled in our in our country, and it's on a slippery slope, and it, it's it's on its way to you know annihilation, complete annihilation, in my opinion. Uh, we have the lowest marriage rate in the United States since our government started keeping track of the marriage records in 1867, and we're right around eight. Uh, six marriages per a hundred uh, per thousand people. Um, after World War II, it was around. It was at its height, which was like sixteen marriages per one thousand people. Um, and and before that, it had stayed around eight or nine. So fewer people than ever are getting married. The divorce rate is up. It's high, fifty percent. Fifty percent of marriages are ended in divorce. Of those fifty percent, who do you think has the highest rate of divorce in, by race? Black women. Black women get divorced at a higher rate than any other race of women in America. Forty percent. They're over half. Uh, they're they're over double the percentage of white women. White women get divorced around fifteen percent. Black women, it's all the way up to forty. 40 plus percent. Um, so you see a huge discrepancy there uh, in, in and of itself. But the real number to look at is how many people are actually married. How many people in our country are married now at it, in 1950, around 70 years ago, before the women's rights movement really kicked into high gear, 80 percent of households were had married individuals. We are now down to under 50 percent, around 48 percent of people in America are married. Uh, so the entire institution of marriage is under attack. And I think because because our government has done such a poor job of 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 stewarding the institution of marriage and and even attacked the institution of marriage by fiat, by law, they feminized it. They've made it they've made it uh they've they've rewarded divorce and taken kids breaking up homes. They rewarded it economically. Because that's happened, men are starting to make business decisions around marriage. None more so than athletes who get a very high wage for their work and and they want to protect their not only do they would they want to protect it from an individual basis, they are told to protect their assets. Okay, for when it comes to their relationships. And I don't agree with that as a Christian, man. I think there should be a, a, a separation between the moral and the pursuit of marriage and the institution of marriage and, and how that's viewed spiritually in the eyes of God and, and the economic and political. Um, but I came through the, uh, the uh, you know, rookie transition program. We were told multiple times when I was drafted about watching out for women and women who will steal your money and women who will marry you just to divorce you and get some settlement. So we're conditioned in that way. And hey, it is what it is. Black women are getting divorced 
two times, 2.5 times more than white women. And that statistic is important because if you're a high net worth person, that means she's more likely to sue you and pursue half of your money and perhaps take marriage less seriously than someone raised in a different culture where marriage is taken more seriously. And, you know, when you have kids, uh, again, look at, and, and, you know, I hate to throw out, I don't want to go anecdotally, but there is some truth to it. But look at Brittany Renner, who's half black, half white, and pursued a bunch of professional athletes and finally got knocked up by one and immediately left him. And then the next thing you know, it was about how much she was paying in child support. And, and that's something of, I don't blame an athlete from doing everything in his power to avoid. Get, knocking up some woman who has every intention of taking your money, marrying some woman who doesn't take marriage seriously and thinks that, you know, we didn't swear before God some sacred covenant and that I can walk out at any time if my needs aren't being met, if I'm not happy, if I don't feel fulfilled, screw this marriage, I'm gonna get half this dude's money and live happily ever after. It, 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 it go, and Royce, you got kids, you, you got a daughter. It's how are you raising them and are we raising our daughters properly so that they can be a queen to a king it feels like to me, everybody's raising their daughters to be kings. Oh, it's way out of control. The, the, the short answer is we're raising women to be miserable. We're raising our women to be miserable, to be unfulfilled, to be lonely, uh, to be resentful, uh, and to be narcissistic. Uh, I'm not raising my daughters that way. My daughters get a heavy dose of, of masculinity in our household, and, and I'm unabashed about it. And I'm unabashed about voicing my opinion on how I think they should they should view their relationships towards men. I, I have two daughters, and one of them I don't uh, have as close of a relationship with because she doesn't live in my house. But um, I stress the same things to, to her as well, and, and will continue to to the daughters that I hopefully have in the future. But But we're raising our women completely backwards. I mean, let's just... We, we are raising our it's, it's not by accident that the advent of the women's rights movement in the 1970s marked the steep decline of marriages and households. I mean, you just can't look at that statistic and think that it's a coincidence. It's not our institutions. And, and it's not just here's the other stat that is alarming. The marriage, the divorce rate is 50 percent. It's 70 percent initiated by women. The number goes up to 90% when the women went to college. So if you have a woman who's college educated, 90% of the time, they initiate the divorce. Our, our academic institutions, the universities, have taught an anti-marriage, anti-family curriculum, an anti-family, anti-marriage ideology. And it's not just people who went to college. It's people who uh, adopted political philosophy that came out of the universities. And so this is a widespread issue in the black community because even black women who don't go to college, they tend to drift towards, you know, your Rachel Maddow, Joanne Reed, you know, sort of breakfast club type of meme Zodiac uh, philosophy about life. And it, and it reflects in their relationships. And that's that's, uh, you know, that's saddening 
I mean, I don't I don't say that jokingly at all. I think it is it is incumbent upon black men to, to teach a new generation of daughters to to really be able to uh, to support men and 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 create a, a better family unit, which you talk about all the time. Roy, I'm going to circle back to something you just teased, but I want to bring TJ in because he's raising a daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, what? how do you and your wife, I'm sure y'all have some sort of game plan in terms of how you're going to disciple your daughter and what how she's going to feel about marriage and how she's going to feel about men. Share some of that because it, it applies to all of us, black, white, whomever, if we're trying to raise women up properly, what's, what's you and your wife's game plan? We're trying to model what, sh- what a woman should, uh, her role should be within a marriage. My wife is trying to model that and I'm trying to properly model the male's position. And so my parents did that. You know, a lot of people ask me, often I've had a lot of opportunities and they say, you know, where'd your beliefs come from? How did you, I watched two really, really good parents execute their lives properly and I wanted to be like that. I thought there's a success, I can do that. That's a stable life that they provided for me and that they have uh, themselves. I mean, I think feminism is being, I just looked up a stat in the Pew Research Center, 61% of women today say uh, being a feminist would be a good description for them, right? And so, Feminism leads to the matriarchy, which is, which is not scriptural. So I'm against the matriarchy and I'm against feminism. And so I, I think what we're trying to, my daughter's not even two yet. And so we haven't started these conversations. That's why we're, we're just modeling at this point and we will start the conversations as she gets older. But I think feminism has led um, young women in particular to believe that their traditional role as a woman in society has less value than a man's role. And I could not disagree with that anymore. And so we're going to show her the value of what a mother is and the value of what a traditional role of women raising the kids, being in the house. My wife still works. It's not that she can't do that. We don't have you know, beliefs as though you don't have the same freedoms, but um, my wife's biggest value is in our home helping raise our daughter. And so my daughter is going to know that. She's gonna know that I value that. She's gonna know that my wife values that. And she's going to grow up wanting to be a mother because of that. One of the things, I, I, and I just wanna throw this in before I circle back with a specific question for Royce. And again, <clears throat> I don't have uh, great experience in terms of TJ talking about his parents modeled a, perfect relationship. Mine didn't, and that's no knock on them, but you know, my father owned a bar, was a ladies' man. He was married to my mother, they got divorced when I was young, but he owned a bar, was a ladies' man, liked to drink, liked to chase younger women. Uh, He modeled for me how to be a really cool guy, and my mother modeled for me, uh, and my father was an excellent hard worker, you know, provider, all of that, but my mother, mother modeled for me a great work ethic, Uh, leaning into faith to get you through adversity. But my mother is a matriarch, and that's a little bit of a bone of contention between me and her. And so I didn't have any of those model things. And so take my advice uh, (laughs) with a a, a bit of grain of salt because, and you know what? I just talked myself in circles and I forgot the exact point I (laughs) I wanted to make about the advice I wanted to give people and maybe that's God just saying, shut up, Jason, you're not married, keep it to yourself. 
uh, let these guys that got families and kids uh, give the advice. So, you know, because I forgot it, and I'll rethink it, I'll, I'll remember it later uh, when, when Royce is answering this question. Royce, you tease this, and I want to I get into it because I think it's very important. I think a lot of the disconnect uh, between the black man and the black woman is the political disconnect. That, and, and particularly when it starts, to, you start talking about wealthy, successful men, there's all these closet conservatives in professional sports, black closeted conservatives. These guys make all this money and, and pretend like they got nothing in common with Jerry Jones or whoever the NFL, and it's all a smokescreen, it's just a game. They, many of them, they got there through their own hard individual work, no one gave them anything. They have conservative values. And, and they're very protective of the success they've had. And then black women are all hyper-liberal. And so that disconnect politically, I think, has disconnected the man and the woman. And then now I think, as I was talking with Shamika about and we were discussing on the show, spiritually, as black men start addressing, hey, who am I? And many of them go, I'm an Israelite. Or uh, what is the proper role for a man? We're in that season where black men seem to be on a journey to define themselves. And, and there, I think there's starting to be some rejection of, man, I ain't no rapper or gangbanger or you know any of that. These labels and identities they've given me, there's a spiritual disconnect. Because the church has not, the traditional church, has not served the black man and has been serving the black woman, that's why I think this Israelite thing is growing, because it serves the black man. I see it the same way as when I would dabble with the Nation of Islam and get my Farrakhan tapes when I was in college. I'm seeing that right now with men, black men as it relates to the Israelite thing. Men want to be served spiritually. They want to connect with a women that will follow them on that spiritual journey. And they want women who are comfortable with their political outlook. And all of that seems to be diametrically opposed to each other. And that's part of the disconnect between the black man and black woman. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let me try and let me try and take the, the lens as wide as possible and then and then hone it back in at, at, at the same time. Um, the Gloria Steinem movement, the the feminist movement that is now referred to as the Time's Up movement, or in some cases the the Me Too movement, is wrapped in the LGBTQ and and pro black movement as well. And it's all it's all a nexus of liberal white women, woke black women, and uh, homosexuals, and and so they got this little you know they got this little trifecta going. And when you say that there are closeted black conservative men in the NBA, they're fiscal conservatives, right? They're not social conservatives. And I think that's an important distinction to make because the fiscal conservatives oftentimes ended up being cucks, right? I mean, they, they have that radical materialism and their women are actually a byproduct of their radical materialism just in a different way. And so they let their women lead them in the end. Right. So when you have that sort of fiscal conservatism, uh, your conservatism is based on economic and, and business and, and money. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it ends up being a slippery slope there. What I will say is 
Hold, hold when, for one second, if you can. And don't forget your point. I'm just sorry. I just want to add, I, I get you the fiscal conservative, but I think where we're at right now, Royce, is there's a lot of black men that are like, hey, man, this alphabet mafia oh, yeah. that the Democratic Party seems to be a slave to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not down with that. I don't have animosity toward them people, but I'm not going to be their number one cheerleader and run around and act like I think this is the greatest thing in the world. And so I, I, I think it's more. I, you can't tell me guys in a locker room. I used to exist in that locker room environment. They look at this LGBT stuff and go, "This makes no sense." And 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 I used to I used to argue with guys all the time that would be upset with Donald Trump, and I I would be like, "So name me one thing Donald Trump has ever said or done that you haven't done or said or wouldn't do and say." And I'll sit here and wait. And I'll be like, well, and then they go, well, I go, hey, man, we've been to the strip club together. We done chased together. Don't BS me. Name me one thing Donald Trump has done. And, and then tell me this. If Donald Trump and Joe Biden called you and said, hey, man, we're going to go out and kick it tonight. Whose phone call are you returning? Now, so STFU is what I tell yes. them after that. Okay. And, and, and just quit playing a game with me, man. Okay. I, I, let's keep it real. Okay, let, let me show you how this works in my opinion. Yes, there are black athletes who have never been on board with the LGBTQ movement, just like there's a lot of black men who grew up in the inner city streets of our communities all across the country who have never been down for the LGBTQ lifestyle or the political movement. But they're not willing to forego their sexual pursuits to stand against it. And that makes you a cuck for the LGBT movement and it makes you a cuck for the feminist movement, which ultimately is the net is the, is the same net result that we as black men end up being a vehicle for the LGBTQ agenda. And it's been that way for a long time. And, and so the black athletes, and I've been around them as well, part of their motif is, and this is many modern Americans, not just black men, but black athletes, I hear it a lot. We are so indoctrinated with the image of what leadership should look like, right? We believe in this sort of milk toast leadership that's amenable to the widest tent of people. And so that's where the Donald Trump criticism came. Because if I'm being honest, when I heard the locker room talk, I thought to myself, yeah, he's right. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true. Right. And, and, and not only that, but I've heard many people talk way worse than that in the locker room. If you heard my locker room talk in, the, in high school, you, you may not listen to me the same. So that that's that's that issue. But let's talk about this piece. And this is the this is the most important piece, I think. The church, when you talk about the church, when you talk about our Christian community and institutions, we are the we are the epitome of sellouts. See, we don't get this yet. We have sold out the most. When it said render under Caesar, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. When the, in the Bible and when Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar so you can give to God what is God's. That's not a parable about paying your taxes. The way we think about it. What he was saying and what I think has been proven true as a result of this great nation. When you don't pay your taxes as a institution, a Christian institution, and you take a tax exempt status, you become a ward of the welfare state. The Christian churches 
the Catholic Church has become a ward of the welfare state. And in that, they they and women have created a nexus that has isolated and diminished the man. And, and it's I mean, that is the deepest level. Women and their and their uh, animus, their natural animus towards men, probably because of the nature of, of sex, the, the sheer nature of it, um, and, and the Christian church taking tax exempt status and becoming an instrument of the state is, is how you have seen the decline of marriage as an institution and the overall authenticity and power of man in our society. Royce, I, I know the, the, the aspect that you have hit on in terms of being a cuck and not wanting to jeopardize access uh, to intimacy with their women has compromised a lot of these guys. They, they've never been on board with all these things they're jumping on board with to maintain their relationship and to maintain intimacy with their woman. But, but I'm going to tie it all together to what we saw with the New York Knicks picture and, and what we see uh, with, with the stats and stuff. We talked about uh, marrying outside your race or relationships outside your race. It's like you don't have to make those sacrifices with conservative white women. And white women are free to be conservative. Black women, like black men, and maybe even more so, like 95, 97% of them black women, they hit that voting booth and they pull one lever and they're done, or they check one box, Democrat all the way down, lockstep, do no thinking. They've been, they've bought into the feminist, LGBTQ, the whole mafia. They bought into the whole thing and they get the spoils of that. And Kamala Harris is the greatest, Stacey Abrams is the greatest, Cori Bush, all, you know. They bought into all of that. And so the, the, I, I think you're gonna see more and more black men either go, oh, I'm gonna go be an Israelite. And I'm gonna go get a woman that's gonna put a scarf over her head and just do whatever I tell her to do. Or I'm gonna go turn off on this aisle off to white suburbia and I'm gonna go get me a white woman that was raised by a mother and a father and she's conservative and she's gonna follow my lead and these hyper-aggressive woman kings, y'all sit around and scissor with each other, leave me, to, leave me alone. That, that, that's the path we're, we're already on, and yeah. it's just going to get deeper. Yeah, no, that's the path we're on. And I think a lot of women are able to fool themselves into thinking that they're happy in, in those type of lifestyles. But, um, you know, just like in the LGBTQ community, you see a um, disproportionate rate of what is described as mental illness, anxiety, depression, drug use. Um, I think you would you would find similar statistics in this sort of single woman professional demographic as well. People who feel radically lonely, anxiety, depression. And what they do is they they um, they displace all of that angst and, and, and despair onto their polit on their politics. That's what you're seeing with wokeism. That's how feminism has come to lead this country. A bunch of women who have disconnected themselves from God in the natural order are now displacing all of their their unresolved anxiety onto politics. And they want unrealistic things, untenable things. They have unrealistic uh, ideas, uh, fundamental ideas like men and women are equal. Men and women aren't equal. I mean, the whole the whole thing from the base is a scam. 
the whole th- title not it's all a, it's a title nine the separation of church and state i mean it just goes together like peanut butter and jelly it's just a complete social engineering frugazi royce uh thank you so much great job as always uh, we'll circle back to you probably tomorrow. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications. Hit subscribe. Are you telling your friends about us? Are you telling your friends to subscribe and support this channel? You need to be doing it if you're going to be a fearless soldier. Are you hitting the five stars on Apple? You need to be doing that if you're a fearless soldier. Uh, support this channel. We're growing, but we could use more growth. Be a good fearless soldier. Convert some people. You're not going to get... This conversation, they can't talk about that Nick's photo on ESPN or Fox Sports or any place else in the media. And trust me, this is the conversation that you have at home, that you have at the barbershop, you have among friends. These conversations, this is the real conversation. And it can only be had here. Why aren't you telling your friends about it? You don't have to agree with everything I say. You don't even have to like me. But you know I'm talking about what's really going on. You don't have to live in a bubble, in a fake world, a matrix, a little safe space where they only talk about safe things. and You got to use all these proper pronouns. You can keep it real with us. You can be fearless. And you, can, you don't even have to like me. Because trust me, most, many of you I don't like. <laughs> but I still like you enough to engage with you and have you be a part of the Fearless Army. All right, Delano Squires put an exclamation point on this conversation. Next! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's roll out to Washington, D.C. and bring in Delano Squires. Let's get smarter on this topic uh, that we're calling waiting to exit hell <laughs> instead of waiting to exhale. We're having a conversation about black men and black women and relationships. Delano wrote a column yesterday about YouTubers and basically the manosphere, the black manosphere. I don't know if you guys are ever talk about that or heard about that, but there was a YouTuber by the name of Kevin Samuels who rose to popularity by basically giving relationship advice to black men and black women, and he did it from a more patriarchal point of view and from a more male perspective. Uh, Delano wrote a column about the guy that's kind of been the heir to Kevin Samuels' throne. He's a simp uh, by the name of Derek Jackson. He's like the anti-Kevin Samuels. He gives relationship advice uh, from a more female and matriarchal simping perf- uh, perspective, but he's having success. And he just recently, he and his wife announced that they're getting divorced. Uh, but Delano used it as a jumping off point to talk about how 
we're getting relationship advice from YouTubers and not from preachers. And that maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, have I done justice? And I know I haven't done complete justice because it's, it's a fascinating column and I, um, Delano can unpack the rest, but have I done justice, Delano, to what you try to convey and please un unpack the rest? Yeah, you, you have. I mean, my, my main point is fairly straightforward. Um, it's that uh, preachers, and I'm, talk, I'm talking specifically within the black community. So I, I talk about Jamal Bryan. I talk about Raphael Warnock. And I say that uh, the black preacher has abdicated his role to provide biblical counsel on relationships to his community. And by doing so, YouTubers like Kevin Samuels and Derek Jackson have have filled that space. They filled that void. Um, and when they filled the void, they are not bringing a biblical perspective, even though Derek Jackson, you know, would talk about, you know, he, when, when he, when he did his, um, a video with his wife after he admitted to cheating on her several times, he said, you know, I fell short of a biblical perspective, but what, what he talks about is not from a biblical perspective, right? It is, it is, he in some ways deifies black women and it's about, Oh, queen, you drop your crown. And, and, uh, you know, these men don't deserve you, that, that type of thing, even while he was cheating on his wife. So in, in that respect, um, well, in that respect, he's not much different than Jamal Bryant. But what I'm saying is the, the black preacher used to be able and used to um, have the moral clarity and the moral authority to speak to all different types of issues. But now men like Jamal Bryant are so pro-abortion and men like uh, Raphael Warnock are so pro-LGBT that they don't have the authority to speak uh, to black men and black women and promote biblical sexual ethics at all. <coughs> and sometimes it's because some of them are paying for abortions. Um, so they, they choose, they're either unwilling or unable to speak to these issues. And I think that's why you see um, so many people getting bad advice from men and women um, sort of in the YouTube relationship space. One of the interesting points that came to my mind reading your piece, and I think you expounded on it, is that a church should actually be a marriage factory. Mm. They should be spitting out married couples like an assembly line mm -hmm. if they're properly doing their job. But a lot of black churches, they're not marriage factories. They're off-site waiting rooms for Planned Parenthood clinics. Mm. Mm. And they're, they're promoting pro-choice more than they are promoting pro-family. Yeah, Jason, when, when you, you know, when you when you shared that point with me, um, it made me think of these issues in, in, a, in a different way. And I, um, when, when I tweeted about it, and I think I wrote it in the piece, I said these should be you know, life factories um, that promote marriage and family you know, on a regular basis, not just on, in the Sunday sermon where it's applicable, but when these preachers use their public platforms, right? Jamal Bryant was just on, on, a, on, a, on a podcast talking about promoting growing weed on, on the campus of a new birth missionary. And then he talked about how he is pro-choice and new birth is pro-choice because Jesus is pro-choice. So, so these are the things. So in the churches that should be life factories are dens of death because they, they host more funerals than they do marriage uh, weddings. 
And instead of promoting, again, a biblical sort of perspective on marriage and family, they are conveyor belts um, to Planned Parenthood. Um, and and, in, and you, you see how they get their sort of biblical ethics completely inverted. They think that, the, that when an unmarried woman gets pregnant, that the sin is that she's going to have a baby. So they would rather push her to Planned Parenthood help her get a mulligan and say, okay, well, if, if, if nobody sees you pregnant, then nobody knows that you sinned and you can continue to, you know, maintain the reputation that you have, especially if I'm, I'm the father of the baby, this is the preacher speaking, but really what this, the sin is the fornication and the baby is, 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 is an innocent, right? That that's a bless. The child is a blessing, but, but people like Bryant get his, his ethics completely mi mixed up. And, and one other point, um, you, you sort of, you let in with this and, and you were sort of, uh, mimicking the words that he was using in terms of, he talked about being pro-choice. And I think for a person like Jamal Bryant, and I first saw Jamal Bryant preach when I was probably 20 years old at a youth convention here in Baltimore that I went to with my church. And I said, man, this guy is really charismatic. He's a great preacher. But now I'm a little bit older and wiser and more mature in my faith. And I think that when men who deal in words like Jamal Bryant use the language of pro-choice, I think it is the most it is the, the highest act of cowardice that you can engage in, because instead of saying what the choice is. Right. So is Jesus pro-choice? Is he is he is he pro-choice to beat your spouse? Is he pro-choice to consume, you know, uh, uh, pornography? Is he pro-choice to rob and steal? So when when he hides behind that language, he's being a coward. And a, and a man that can use words in, you know, in in charismatic and creative ways that does that, he's doing that for a reason, because if he was a real man, he would say, look. Abortion kills an innocent child. And I think a child should be able to be killed by his mother, his or her mother, up until the child is born. Because if the mom doesn't want the child, right, and she's supposed to love the baby, then nobody else is going to want the child and nobody else is going to love the baby. So it's better off to kill the child and to bring it into the world, um, particularly in this case, let's say to a poor black mother. Now, that is a ghoulish perspective, but at least I understand what he's saying. And it's clear to me that he understands the 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 perspective that he's advocating and i would respect men like this a lot more if they would do that but these men are feline not canine and that's why they're always hiding behind language so jamal bryan is the same guy he can quote chris brown you know these these hoes ain't loyal he can he can do sermons on uh on, on wakanda but when it comes to abortion he's hiding out like a little baby and i hate that so i wish that that men like him would sack up and say this is what I believe. And then let everybody say, okay, I agree with it or not. Uh, for TJ and some of our audience, I want to help them understand one of the points you made. Chris Brown, the singer, Jamal Bryan, a preacher, actually during the sermon, used the, these hoes ain't loyal as part of his sermon from the pulpit. I just, <laughs> I just want you to understand that. You can find social media stuff of him dressed up like he's in Wakanda and the Black Panther. And, you know, so he uses things from pop culture. But again, Chris Brown, these hoes ain't Lord. Jamal Brown, a preacher, worked that into a, a sermon. So Delano, I'm going to go to 
a guy that's a bone of contention between you and I, although I'm probably more on your side uh, now than I was previously. Mm. But I'm bringing Pastor Mike Todd up because what these guys are doing, Jamal Brown, Raphael Warren, it doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. It does, you want to be a successful preacher. Mike Todd, five years ago, did a sermon, Relationship Goals. And it was all about relationships between men and women. And he basically built his massive audience with relationship goals, turned it into a best-selling book. And, and whether we agree, disagree with what he uh, expounds upon in relationship goals, he did a sermon about trying to get people to embrace healthy relationships and family structure. And so here's a clip of from the original sermon, and it was a series, and this is from the first sermon as he introduces this sermon series that turned into a book, Relationship Goals. Well, we about to start a series that's about to be awesome. Um, I think this is one of those things that um, God wanted to happen in this timing. Um, talking about relationships. And uh, we titled this message Relationship Goals because we know that's something that is in popular culture and we see different things, all the pictures that, that we uh, saw earlier. People say, oh, that's the kind of relationship that I want and that's what uh, I want for my life eventually and all these things. So I thought it would be appropriate for us to do a series about relationship goals and we're going to start from the beginning and we're going to go all the way through this thing. You do not want to miss the next six weeks because this series, we're going to talk so real. Some stuff has not been said in a church you've ever been in before, but we're going to say that right here uh, because I really do believe that relationships are being defined more by pop culture and what the world says than what the word of God says. And because many people don't teach it with balance and with understanding and with wisdom, it just seems more easy to go with what everybody else is doing. But I really do believe that God is going to give wisdom and revelation through this series. And I am ready for us to start being an example of what relationships should look like. She's happy about it. No, no, but honestly, when people think of relationships, they don't look at the church. When they think about relationships, they don't think about Christians. <laughs> when they think about relationships, they don't think about God's people. I bring this up because that sermon series made him a superstar. Hmm. Sparked a best-selling book. And again, talking about relationships made Kevin Samuels popular and, and wealthy. It's Derek Jackson. And so I don't understand why ministers can't see there's an audience thirsting for direction on relationships and fill that void rather than spending so much time talking politics, LGBTQ inclusion, pro-choice, all this other stuff. There's Black people are thirsting for guidance on relationships. It's obvious. And why ministers aren't filling that void, Delano? Well, I think part of the reason is because 
they are seeking their reward in a different lane, right? Um, yes, Raphael Warnock is a pastor. Yes, he leads the church that Dr. King led, Ebenezer Baptist Church um, in, in Atlanta, but he's also a senator. So he, he may say, look, I, I may not want to be an author like Mike Todd. I do a different type of preaching than Mike Todd, right? My, my preaching is more sort of liberation theology. But he's to him. He's like, I've got my reward. I'm, I'm a U- United States senator. I'm, I'm more I'm one of the hundred most powerful people in the world. Um, and Jamal Bryant, again, th- these these guys are political actors, first and foremost. So part of the reason they can't do some of these things is because the party that they represent is not interested in that. If if Jamal Bryant, Raphael Warnock um, and and preachers of, of of that type were to ever sort of focus their energy on healing, mending, and improving the relationship between black men and black women to the point where we had a complete reversal of our current dynamics and 75% of black children were born to marry parents, they would no longer be useful to the Democratic Party. Because if they did so, they would be taking away the party's primary base. And and one of the reasons we see the dynamics that we do, and, you, and I heard you were talking about sort of the, the political dynamics between black men and black women vis-a-vis Democrats and Republicans, is that um, the, the black feminists a generation ago stood at a fork in the road. To their right, they could have beat the drum and said black women and black men should get married. Because most people marry within their sort of ethnic group, right? So to the right is marry your husband. To the left is marry the government. We all know which direction they moved. So the fact that in some and many low income um, communities in in our biggest cities, that you do not have a single, in some of these neighborhoods, you don't have a single kid being raised by married biological parents. That's because Uncle Sam is the father. And what we have in our country is what I call bureaucratic polygamy. The government, sort of typified in as a, as a man is married to millions of, of house to f- millions of women and is the head of millions of households. A significant portion and a disproportionate number of those are black women's households. So these women have a husband and Jamal Bryant and Raphael Warnock help keep him in his position. So if they were to ever say, no, nah, you no, nah, you don't need j- Men and women need to get together, right? Men are responsible for the children that they create. Kings, if you want to be a king, marry your queen. Have some princes and princesses. Take a piece of land and live your life. They would, they would be uh, aiding and abetting an act of political bigamy. They cannot do that. Because uh, when unwed mothers of any race, but we're talking about black women now, those are the people that Planned Parenthood needs. Because people, generally speaking, the vast majority of women who get abortions are unmarried. That's probably the case around the world. So an increased marriage rate would decrease abortion without passing a single new law. Planned Parenthood needs single black women. The people who advocate for big government spending need single black women. All the administrators of of welfare and food stamps and and, um, uh, uh, childcare vouchers and healthcare, all of these need single women. So these men can't do that because they would be 
that would be an act of disloyalty to the side that they fight for. And, and, and that's really what it is. It's like uh, uh, there is going to be a husband in the house for the vast majority of people we're talking about. A man is going to be there. It's just a matter of it's the father of her children or if it's Uncle Sam. And I prefer the, I prefer the former and not the latter. Takes me to a, a great point. When we started the beginning of the show, I was showing the women that confronted and wanted to fight Alex Stein. Alex Stein is six foot five, 240 pounds. And these two black women are trying to fight him at the Barstool headquarters. They're angry, they're mad. We played some video of, uh, we played a video with Shamika with a woman at a comedy show. She's clearly angry and mad. You're, you're, you're making the point, which is a great one, that the angry, mad woman tends to be a leftist and mm. will support Democrat politics. And that's why you, you go to these pro-abortion rallies. What are you, angry white women everywhere. Mm-hmm. My vagina, my choice. They, they got painted on red paint between their legs. Like, I killed my baby and mm. all this. And you see these crazy, angry people. And I know TJ and I were talking before you got on about how all of these single women and this direction we're going, no one's happy. Mm-hmm. Nope. The, um, you look at it, the, there's a really good paper called The Paradox of the Declining Female Happiness by Betsy Stevenson and Justin <laughs> Wolfers. And what it addresses, it sounds like Delano's read this. Um, what it no, addresses I just know you're going to give me a good paper. From, that's what. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, so go ahead, TJ, go ahead. The, the, uh, what they address is, is the, it's, it's a life satisfaction study, and they wrote a paper mm. about it. And so happiness has fallen amongst women both absolutely and relatively to men during that time, from the 1970s when they started tracking this, to today. And it's eroded since then. We're, since the 70s, we're at the lowest point today. And, and you think about all of the advancements that they would tell you they've made, right? They, they're wealthier than they've ever been. They are healthier, they're living longer, they live longer than men have for a long time. They're more educated. In fact, they're the most educated people that have ever existed in America today. The highest graduation rates are women. They hold higher positions. Um, oftentimes we're just placing them in positions like we did with the lady in the NHL. We're like, oh, you're a woman and you're black, let's put you here. Um, they, during that time until this past year, they've had abortions on demand, so they've enjoyed what they call reproductive freedom. The technological advancements has taken them from actually having to go into work to my wife today sits at a desk in our home and does her job. The advancements that they've had during this time would lead you to believe everything that you want is right there in front of you. And yet Mm -hmm. they are less satisfied than they've been since the 70s. And the two things that they're doing less than that time, they're doing virtually everything more and better. The two things that they're doing less is getting married and having kids. And these Mm -hmm. women think they're happy. That's something Roy sort of pointed out. And he's like, they pretend to be happy. That's the the proper phrasing. They pretend to be happy because they think they're getting everything they want. In reality, the two things that humans, that God designed us to have in the family is go get married to somebody you love and that you can seek after God's will for your lives together and, and you become one flesh and you raise a family together. And they're not getting that and they can't identify that that's the reason they're not happy. Hmm. So Delano, one of the conversations we were having earlier that, that I wanted to ask you about is that this direction we're going is why 
I think that New York Knicks picture exists. I don't know if you got to see that. Let's throw it up on screen. And, and again, I, I want to be clear here that obviously I have no problem with the New York Knicks and their dating choices. I want to be clear that Royce White's married to a black woman. Delano Squires is married to a black woman. None of these guys, Royce White I think is half white. He, he, he's got no problem with any of this. Delano's got no problem with any of this. But, you know, these are guys that are in married relationships with, with, with black women, just so everybody knows where they're coming from. But, but this matriarchal woman king phenomenon that, we're going, that we have going on, this hyper-aggressive black woman that's angry and Oh, I'm strong, the strong black, and you just don't want no strong black woman. And, and, and guys don't have the balls to say it, to say, you know what, you're right, I don't. I want someone that will follow behind me. They don't have, but, but, so they won't say it, they'll do this though. They'll show up at the Christmas party and let you know what it is they think and feel and believe and removing the picture. This whole Israelite movement that's Mm. spreading like wildfire and there's all these different sects some of them are rice, racial idolaters some of them aren't but that whole Israelite thing that's spreading like wildfire is a rejection of matriarchal culture they black women have been talked into taking actions that are making black men go one or two to I'm gonna go get me a woman from a different culture or I'm going to join a religious sect that uh, puts women in a place of total submission and I don't have to worry about, we agreed to this baby, we're Israelites, shut up, go wash some dishes and I'm watching the football game, leave me alone. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. That, that's mm. what their behavior and action in this matriarchal culture is producing. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the, the topic, you know, around quote unquote interracial um, dating is one that's rich, particularly when it comes to black athletes and entertainers, because it's been going on for a long time. Um, my, my thing is always for that is always and I wrote an article about this way, way back when I was writing for Black and Married with Kids. It's always um, ask why, not who, when it comes to interracial dating. And I, I do think for many black athletes, there is an element of the white man's ice is colder when it comes to their dating preferences. Because what you'll see is sometimes these guys got to have a black girlfriend during college, but when they get the big job and they make the big money, they think everything has to elevate. And in their mind, this is what elevating your, your dating preferences looks like. Um, now, some, some of them find that the stereotypes that, that they've heard that, you know, white women are more submissive and so on and so forth um, don't always hold true. I think Tiger Woods found that out after his string of barmaids um, made his wife angry enough to, you know, do some I'm things. Gonna to him. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna disagree. I'm disagree. Tiger Woods did okay. not find out. Tiger Woods just went way too far. She knew what was going on. He just okay. it ended up getting thrown in her face, and she hit the eject button. But right, and, um, and what I'm saying is yeah. the 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 only thing I'm saying is. The, the, the If you believe the stereotype, you would think, oh, you know, sh she would just put up with it, you know, in perpetuity. And she has a breaking point because every woman has a breaking point. Um, 
but put putting that aside, right? I do I do agree with your point. When I watched that your interview with um, the guys from Lifeway, Straightway, excuse me, Ministries last week, um, one of the things that was obvious to me is that the, these guys are looking for more than the bubblegum, marshmallow, um, feminized type of doctrine that they get in many Christian churches, right? They're looking for something as men to give their life meaning. Now, I may not agree with, with all the straight waist theology, but that was crystal clear. And the fact that of the four men you spoke to, three of them were divorced and two of them had children that they have never seen because their wives left them when they said, hey, I want to go in this direction. And she said, I'm not interested in that. And, and that's why. And I said this in my column. One of the things that a, a preacher, this is any preacher who knows how to handle the biblical text would be able to explain is is um the 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 fall right um you know when sin entered the world adam and eve in the garden and and how that connects to the dynamics that husbands and wives have been having since time began in terms of a wife often her temptation to usurp the authority of her husband and this is why a lot of women they they cringe when they hear the word submit but that's only when it comes to their husbands, because if a woman is at work, I don't care what color she is. She's at work. She has a great idea. She tells the boss. He says, no, nah, I'm not interested. She comes back again to press her case. No, nah, I'm not interested. She comes back a third time. I really think we should do this. And he said, you know, after deep consideration, I'm still not interested. We're going to go in this direction. You know what she's going to say? OK, I respect that. And then sit back and fold her hands in, in her lap. But if her husband says, hey, I want to go in this direction or she says, I want to go in this direction. He said, no, nah, I'm not interested. When she gets to the third time, she said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So it's not that women have a problem submitting to men. It's that they have a problem submitting to their husbands. And, and, and that is part of the issue. And, and but part on the flip side, and this is where going back to the Derek Jackson thing. The man has to be someone worthy of being submitted to you. You can't be addicted to porn have four girlfriends, two other baby mamas across town, and then complaining, oh, my, my wife is not respecting me as the leader of our home. So both of these things have to be addressed, right? Both of these things have to be addressed because men and women are different, and our propensity towards specific sins is different. Not to say that we can't do what the other side does, but as I said, with women, it's, it's, all, it's typically an issue of, of, of um, submission to authority, and with men, oftentimes in relationship, it's an issue of fidelity and honesty. That's why all these, so many of these guys get caught in cheating scandals, and they, they and it's, and it's, it's almost like they're addicted to it. They don't, they can't not do it, and at least from their perspective. So both of these things ha have to be healed. And what I'm saying is, um, a good preacher who knows how to handle text can say, can can go from Genesis through the Old Testament into the New Testament and say, you know, this is what God requires. Um, particularly from believers as it relates to relationships. And, and one other thing I threw in there at the end, towards the end, is there's also space for women here. I mentioned Titus 2, where there are instructions on what the older women should be teaching the younger women to be self-controlled, to be, to be modest, not given to too much wine, so on and so forth. But what you get to, in today's culture is, no, we want our women to act like stallions and our men to act like geldings. Anybody who says that a woman should not do something with her body 
oh, that's oppressive, that's patriarchal. And, and so many of our men, including the athletes, have been so demoralized that they don't have the courage to stand up and say, no, when I see Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion making this garbage music, that is bad for our culture and our society. It is hard to find a man, particularly a black man, who will get up and say that publicly because all of these guys have been castrated, socially speaking. Now, they may whisper to their friends in WhatsApp, but when it comes to, to saying something publicly, it's hard to find. Thank you, D. Thank you, Great guys. job, as always. Uh, fantastic show. This show went just as well as I thought it would. I'm pleased with myself. We'll play some tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. We are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free We want freedom I just want, I want to be, I just want